COVID-19, which they have some groups here on September the 11th from 2 to 4 at the Blue Hills uh, 53rd and Brooklyn location. Their number is 816-333-7000. years. But the follow-up to that is that 
someone, uh, and that's debatable, posted signs as telling all the blacks that if they didn't leave that area, that they would all be killed, that they had, I think it was three days or five days, Michael? Yeah, five days. Five days. And uh, they had to leave their homes. And they owned this property for the most part. They were productive farmers and entrepreneurs of, of that day. And that was just a horrible, horrible injustice. And Michael, how did you get involved with that? What inspired you to get involved with that catch-up situation back in 1923? So I was doing some research on another race riot that happened down in southeast Arkansas called the Elaine Race Riot. And I was trying to write a paper on it, and uh, this, this small article came up by a woman named Wanda Gray from the Encyclopedia of Arkansas on this Ketchum race riot that happened uh, four years later up in Crawford County. And so I tried to find more and more about it, and I realized there just wasn't anything written on it. And so I decided that, you know, I would contact some of the people, and I would try and get a more, uh, you know, get the story myself. And once I got into contact with Linda, I realized there were a couple of people working on some of this research, but... For the most part, it seemed like everybody was spread out, and so I was really interested in, you know, bringing everybody together so we could all have one, one set of information that we could all work from. And so I think that's what we're trying to work on here in the next year or so. Do we have uh, Janice on the phone yet, Mister uh, Our folks? I know we don't have Janice, nor do we have Mister Bay. Okay. I called them both twice so far. Okay. One thing about it, were Mister. Uh, Owen Scott, Scott Owen, let's get that right. What has happened between the shows on Ferguson USA, HotTalkRadio.com? Uh, what, how many listeners or how many countries are now listening to these shows? Well, according to uh, one one of the websites, we uh, well, let's see here. Let me take a look real quick. Uh, at least for the Missouri Black Chamber of Commerce, and I'll check the other one, we had uh, 471 downloads of the podcast. Let me get into uh, yours real quick. And I know you said, you told me in several uh, countries. Yeah, several countries. Home. We were talking in... Uh, uh, great in uh, Great Britain, we're talking uh, Belgium, we're talking uh, 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 Brazil. Uh, you've been uh, downloaded in all those places, and as well as let's see here. Hold on a second. Waiting on Mr. Computer here. There we go. All right. Well, you've been downloaded across the uh, world. You've been downloaded 286 times since I started putting your. Uh, uh, podcasts up and Brazil let's see here Belgium Germany Ireland uh, and all across the United States including uh, looks like Seattle Washington uh, Maryland Ohio quite a few different places but uh, over the last uh, two weeks 200 286 people have downloaded your podcast I know you said Central America and South America. I know Brazil's in South America. Right, right. You, you said, and that really fired me up, and we was, want to thank all of our listeners and our co-hosts of the various shows uh, and notify their people to be sure to 
do it. Internet-wise, uh, but we had a, a Zoom meeting last week, and I hope that it turned out to be successful. So people told us that a lot of people I hadn't heard from in a long time, but this radio station, this Internet, is growing like the Temptation song is growing. But we need each and every one of you who got their own Facebook to, to tell your people, to inspire your people to tune in. How do they reach uh, this station, uh, Scott or our? Well, uh, you can get it on FergusonUSAHotTalkRadio.com or you can get on Facebook and go uh, FergusonUSAHotTalkRadio or if you F-U-S-A-H-T-R is the, the uh, website. Or we could get, uh, get us on YouTube or Twitch. Or, like I said, where you get your podcasts. Uh, uh, RSS.com puts it out to uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, you can get it pretty much anywhere you, you want it, as long as you put it in Ferguson USA Hot Talk Radio in there. And UMA... Or excuse me, Yuma, forgive me. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Yuma uh, has a, a Facebook page as well. Just look up United Minority Media Association on Facebook, and you'll find all the shows right there, too. So. Well, also, our new website address is or will be Yuma HQ KC number one dot org so we want to get that word out and get our uh, website up uh, quickly and we want a lot of people to be involved like are we waiting on the family and little rock north little rock because what we're going to start and put on the and that website is all the people who make up our various public affairs shows throughout the country they get their listing on the website and so we can and let the people all we need from them the name of the show the time of the show and what's it going to be heard at, and the email address because sometimes shows will change because they might go to a different uh, time zone or whatever but we want to do this and all of this is through the good graces of the Missouri Black What's that again, Our I keep forgetting. What's the name of the group? The Missouri now, Black he must be Chamber trying to read something. <laughs> it's uh, the Missouri Black uh, <laughs> Chamber of Commerce. They have been, uh, Scott and uh, the Missouri Black Chamber of Commerce have been very instrumental in providing the opportunity to reach out to many people throughout the world. And Linda, we got to get it up there. And uh, you from what part of Montana? I'm from the southwest Montana, southwest corner. What's the name of your state, or your city, your town? Okay. Wilson. Now. You know, Linda, we have a contact up in, we work with now up in, oh my God. Billings? Yeah, Billings, Montana. I was down at the same time, Billings, Montana. Because Missouri Black Chamber of Commerce uh, has a lot of word of mouth also throughout the Nashville Chamber of Commerce. And it also said uh, we all have to spread the word about our shows on our, on our website that we have uh, called AmericanDreamMarketplace.com also. So we have
And our vice president, Mr. Sergio Bowen, right now is down in Costa Rica. So right now, hopefully, we'll be down there pretty soon also with our radio shows. Okay, Leonard, tell us, what's your makeup up in Bozeman, Montana? How people are uh, talking about Oh, the vast majority in Montana are white. I think it's about 94%. Uh, the next largest population are the uh, Native Americans, the First Peoples. And there's a smaller population of blacks and Hispanics and uh, Asians. Well, I thought you had a lot of tribal nations up there. What are some of the names? Oh, that's what I said. <laughs> oh, we have uh, the Crow tribe is probably the biggest tribe up here. And we have the Northern Cheyenne and we have the Blackfeet and then a lot of smaller tribes. There's, yeah, there's quite a few Native American tribes here. Okay. Uh, Michael, what's happening down there in uh, uh, Fayetteville? I'm actually down on uh, Lake Gleason right now for the Labor Day. But I know the hogs won today here in Arkansas. Go hot. Yeah. Oh, they did one today? Yeah, for once they, they beat rice. Oh, rice. Rice and gravy, huh? No, just rice. <laughs> rice University, okay. <laughs> what was the score, uh, Mike? 38-17. Okay, I got a great-grandson that has a scholarship, and you'd be surprised what these scholarships pay now. His is, he can't tell me not to say it because the public has the right to know. His scholarship over a four-year period is worth 200000 So that means I'm high on education. That means we have to go back. A lot of people don't have money to go to college. But if they do real well in education, and uh, they uh, talk about the test scores, talk about the grade average, they might be fortunate, or be an athlete, they might be fortunate enough to get a scholarship. No, no, you talked once. <laughs> Something didn't know you were finished. Okay. Well, yes, even at my football, where right now Missouri is still ahead, seventeen to fourteen over uh, Michigan Central. Uh, and oh, Central Michigan. Yeah, but you know, also what we call the entry sheet. Could you project your voice better, sir? I did have a very good conversation with them. 
And they're supposed to, I think I told you, Linda, they're supposed to help celebrate or put out a marker or a memorial deal, whatever, the year 2022, that'll celebrate 100 years of the Ketcha incident. Yes, I'm so excited about that. I think the more recognition we can get for these events, the better. And they're a pretty big organization. They have offices in four different cities in the in the state. Yeah. That's one thing, okay, the more you talk about these different off, um, situations, okay, you know, being more about the mind expression and a little bit now, okay, people right now kind of, uh, you know, uh, kind of keep a cap on the you know, hold back on black history to being taught in our schools. And that's also the black history in general, okay, and it needs to be told. Yes. Exactly. That's what yeah. they're doing there. You know, kind of bring, bring the truth to light, you know, and that's always a great thing to have. Absolutely. Yeah, when I teach my students, they just never know about any of these incidents. So it's great to get, especially a monument that you can point to and show them. You know, we did a show last Saturday on the, the lunch of the Missouri Lecture of Congress, and uh, uh, we had to talk about the 1519 uh, project as well as, you know, the uh, you know, crucial age theory. And, one of the things we were all talking in one of our members in the chamber is a reverend here, and he started a program teaching his young students how they can go about finding the reverse, you know, uh, you know, <clears throat> the information that's not being told, and teach them about how they can find out more about their communities by asking directly, what do they know about their own communities? What do they remember the most? And that's the first thing I'm doing, kind of what do you know about you, what you look at, so you can pass on to someone else. And that's you know, the first step, you know. And matter of fact, uh, Scott, we got in the conversation, and he was saying something. He said, "Well, I, like you know, like you, Mike, and like Linda, uh, Scott said, you know, as a white, I like to know more about Black history because I mean, the more history you know about everybody, the better off everyone." Now, what about? Okay, go ahead. I'll yield to you. I'm just agreeing with him. I think the more that we learn about this stuff, the better for everyone. You know, I just re- I'm in the middle of a book. Uh, called Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man uh, by Emmanuel Acho. And I think for, it's one of the best books I've read for white people who are curious about why uh, uh, it's so important to know exactly what you're saying about the history of black America, the history of the Native Americans, and the true history, not just the sanitized history. It's a great book. It is. Well, see, see, the more that we understand about people having to survive, and survival was was initially created for everybody to survive. Not me survive, you not survive. You know, and that's where we have the problem that nowadays uh, we can all thrive together. You know, things can become unbalanced. And most times people know we got cars. If we got a car, we got to get that tire fixed. We got to get it balanced. Otherwise, we're going to wear tires on wear out, and the car is going to be useless at some point. That's a good analogy. You know, so that's just something that the Missouri Chamber of Commerce and our members that we do here in Missouri, you know, we're balancing out. As Steve knows, uh, he's a member there in Kansas City. And what we're doing is trying to spread the word around our state as much as we can. Let people know that, uh, that, that blacks do have history. Matter of fact, we have a project in Haytown, Missouri, where we get on a site there with a former Negro high school site. With the complex that was built in 1934 was since the by the way. Remember, uh, you have not in service. We're trying to resurrect that site right now you know, with, with, a, with a new uh, you know, supermarket, 
some new housing, you know, and, uh, you know, some businesses to try to, you know, build on their history and bring out that history at the same time. Because, again, it's up to us right now to catch up on the we're trying to reach uh, the family that got the number with the Arkansas uh, Peace and Justice Memorial Movement. This is live radio. This is, this is a cell number. This is the MC Richard Chat. Try to get in contact with our, with our guest today. My name is Al Fox. We got Linda uh, from uh, Montana. We also got Michael Anthony. We got Scott. that I ran across over the American, the Heart of America Indian Center, 
and this young lady, last name was Sanchez. I said, how did a Native American get last name of Sanchez? And she said, well, it's a long story. Now, for your information, what I was told, Native Americans or American Indian could not buy land in their name.
or you can go to the library if you want to, the old-fashioned way. But right now, we all have, have computers in our hands, and it's and, and said that we have enough information on our phone to let we land a, 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 a satellite on the moon if we wanted to, and bring it back home sometime. Yes. I will say that one of the things that we have to, uh, as historians we're trying to do, is you know add that stuff to where people can get to it. So if you looked up the Catcher Race Ride even you know, 15 years ago, you wouldn't have seen anything. So it's important that you know people like Linda, she's done so much research for us. I mean, it's just invaluable. And you can't always look it up. You need somebody to put it on there first.
we have a governor up here who has said that uh, it's not mandatory that people uh, that he expects people to be responsible and do the right thing. So it's not mandated, but the schools have taken the uh, uh, tact of, of saying that they're going to mandate them. And that's how we're doing here in Arkansas as well. Yeah, because one of the things, okay, this, 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 uh, the Delta virus that we're dealing with, but they now have a new one, the MU virus that's, that's coming in, uh, into Illinois right now. Yeah. We had over 12,000 people that's been affected by that already. And normally when, when one virus comes in, there's a whole new situation of, of, uh, of, of uh, uh, fallout, repercussions, okay, or course on effect. Last one, the Delta virus affecting those you know, young people more so than older people, and that's something that that we have to understand. And, and as an educator, Mike, you know that kids are ready to kids are just so easily okay. Once you teach them the right thing to do, they have no problem falling out. Am I right? Yeah, usually. You were you were used to white they like that. <laughs> There's always some exceptions. <laughs> That's in life in general today, okay. But, but for the most part, you know, most kids like their, their classmates, they like their teachers, and they want to go to school, okay. And that has to go to another year of being shut down. You know, just like we're talking about the COVID 19, but also they're getting more people to get to take their flu shots here in Kansas City. Is that, uh, does that have an impact in Montana, St. Louis? Oh, I can solve. Oh, I can't speak. Well, in Montana, the people I know get flu shots every year yes. and have been for some time. Uh, COVID got so politicized that I think that's why people are having such a tr trouble with it. Yes, uh, Linda, I, I, I agree with you, okay? You know, we all we all just kids. We got polio, we got all those vaccines. That, that we naturally just take because we want to be healthy. Exactly. You know, and I think health is something that we all know we need to be healthy for us to live our lives. Because there's so much more now to live for than it was in the past. Yes. I know we all live through the chicken pops and the uh, measles. And what's that other one they had? Was that the whooping cough? Yep. But what about the one that occurred, everybody talk about Tuskegee, the syphilis project they had, that they said they practice on black folks, okay? No, no, you see, that's, that's what you're missing. You're from down that part of the country, tell us about it. Well, there was a misinformation there, okay? They did not, you know, what they did there, they refused, refused to give the, the, the Tuskegee, the people there, uh, you know, the vaccines, okay, for their prevention from giving syphilis. So, I mean, so they didn't practice on them. All they did, they would deny it, deny, you know, the vaccines, you know, to, to prevent it. And so that's why that misinformation goes that they, that they were spearing on. Well, they were spearing on by not giving the vaccines that anybody else did. Well, this made a great impact. If you ask anybody, people of color, about the Tuskegee situation, all of Macaga sent up what they heard. Yeah, they heard, but they heard the other way around, and not so much the fact that the that the uh, that the uh, you know that they were not given anything. They were refused to get the vaccines to them, and that would make them sick. Well, let's step back to Native American when they used smallpox from Europe, 
to kill off the Indians. Right. Put it in their blankets. All through life, okay, you know, history, uh, white, I mean, you know, just generals, you know, and, and she, this is all about trying to get war land and war land and war land and taking their land. And in doing so, there are all type of schemes that have come up over time that have been in some cases of taking people's land. All taking land and money are synonymous with each other nowadays. Right, Michael? Well, most people, when they talk about Native American, everybody remembers the Trail of Tears. Who can talk about that on this show today? Oh, I can give a summary if you need. Okay. So, Andrew Jackson, uh, the, the country's seventh president, was, he went down into Florida and forcibly removed a couple different tribes, mainly the Seminole tribe, out of uh, southeastern Florida. And he made them go basically across the country west. And a lot of them settled in Oklahoma. But some went even further west into Oregon, like the Nez Perce. And then later on in the 1880s, whenever those those tribes had already been moved, we the country went back in with the Dawes Act and moved them again back out to Oklahoma. So they got moved a couple different times in the course of 100 years off their land. Then they also moved the Cherokee and the Choctaw uh, yeah. uh, and the from Georgia and the, and the Virginias and Tennessee, I think. And then the uh, Supreme Court tried to stop in and stop Jackson. They actually voted against him being able to do that, and he took the army in and still did it anyway and said that they didn't. He basically said, since the Supreme Court doesn't have an army, they don't have authority. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's one of the bigger overreaches of power from a president ever. Yeah, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Oh, that was, I remember yeah. hearing that in Kapopo. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, you know, one of the things I was taught as a, as a young person, and I was at a conference uh, for, for the labor unions, you know, uh, and, uh, back to the unions, and uh, one of the vice presidents said, in life, okay, there are two types of people. Uh, there are one that have things done unto them, and the one that have things done for them. And the powers have things done for them, and the powers have things done unto them. And that is so true, and so true, and so true. And if you got money, you got power. That's true. Well, I think we, uh, Michael, we brought up your alley talking about history, aren't we? Oh, I'm having a blast. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, one of the things, Michael, I think, you know, people on the line agree that people talk bad about our units and stuff, but the units have been able to fight for the small man under under previous guys and 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 you get the salaries increased, you know, for, for us to get decent wages, you know, you know, in our homes and stuff. And most times a company will uh just non union will give the people extra benefits to keep them from joining the union. So so when you like them or when you're not, uh, they have been the ones that have been fighting for, you know, I know including our country and also like, you know, making sure that you get quality work for what you're getting done. And making yes. sure crafts crafts are the crafts you know, uh, uh, maintain. And just to add on to that, um, whenever we think of unions, we always think of uh, these groups that are working together. And when you had in the 1880s, all the way up to the New Deal, you had black and white Americans working together in these unions, and that's why they were so successful. Mm-hmm. But that's also why rich white people tried to start driving poor white men and poor black men apart, because they knew that that's where power of the unions lied. And so that's a big story that people don't talk about when they talk about the rise of Jim Crow and disfranchisement. And 
they were really trying to take that power away from average workers. And the best way to do that was to make the races separate, segregate. Tell us about Jim Crow. How did that name come about? Say it again, what? Tell us about Jim Crow. What does that mean, and how did that come about? Yeah, so Jim Crow is just a term that historians usually use to describe the forced segregation of society along color lines. So it usually happened around uh, somewhere in the 1905, somewhere in there. But it starts with a separate coach bill where they would forcefully make a white train car and a black train car. But then that really just transformed into the rest of society. You have uh, black drinking fountains, you have white drinking fountains, you have black restrooms, white restrooms, and everything. Every part of society is segregated. And historians have started to kind of realize the reason that was happening was mainly because they knew that there was such union power in poor white and poor black men and women congregating and talking. Just the mere fact of them hanging out together <laughs> was scary to people in power. You know, Michael, you know, when I was a young man in Vichy, Mississippi, uh, my family made me get a, give me a little part of time job after school in, in Woolworths. So I came in uh, and did just to sweep the floors. And when I came in there, the first thing that I did when everybody left, okay, they had a colored water fountain and a white, you know, they had a, a Negro and a white water fountain. The first thing I did, Michael, to taste the water out the white water fountain to see if it was tasting the difference. And, and, huh. and, and, yeah, I mean, so that's how, how I mean, but, but the other thing you had, I didn't know it was, it was colored, that was, that was colored. Because we went to, went to the, to the, uh, you know, to the, to the theaters in Vicksburg. We all had to go through a, uh, a back door to go upstairs to watch the movies. That's a uh, great story, wow. Yeah, you know, and then like I said, when I came north from, from down to Vicksburg, I went to the Greyhound bus station, you know, went up and had to get my bad little small ticket, okay, and we could not, and we didn't have a waiting room. We had to sit down that stick when outside in the cold, you know, for the, for the bus to, to leave, where they had a nice and comfortable, you know, uh, you know waiting room, and I didn't see a waiting room until I got to Memphis, Tennessee. And I said, wow. Wow. Yeah, I need you to come talk to my students because I think, you know, if you're talking to 18-year-olds nowadays, they don't realize how close they are to that time period, that there are people still living who experienced this. They think it was a lifetime ago. No, no, no. I wouldn't want to have it to, you know, and just, and not only that, you know, it was the things that they, they get with and for the schoolers and for the books that we had passed me down. And also in our schools, uh, we, were, we were always taught
especially when we start talking about the 1950s and the 1960s and the lead up to the civil rights movement, I would love to have someone who experienced that time period. The students just think, you know, Martin Luther King was so long ago, and it just really wasn't. No, not for us, old people. <laughs> you know, Michael, uh, you know, I know you know about Mississippi Vernon, okay? Well, oh, yeah. That took place you know, right down the, down, the, down the highway from where I, from where I was, from where I lived in Vicksburg. And also, uh, when uh, Major Ellis, uh, not Major Ellis, when uh, General Ellis got killed in Canton, Mississippi, there, that was really for 30 miles away. So a lot of stuff was going around me as a young kid that I was experiencing. And, you know, and we were, you know, again, uh, living through all this, and the world was constantly changing as it is today, and we didn't have anyone like myself to share the history, okay, of our history for like maybe five or six years ago when we were growing up. Yeah, I mean, we do whole classes at Arkansas on the 1960s. We'll do a whole semester oh, wow. on just that decade because there's so much going on. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I have a story about the uh, different water fountains, uh, if, you're, if you're interested. When I was eight, I was eight years old, we flew back from, I grew up in California, so I grew up in a mixed race society, and we flew back to Florida to visit my father, who was working there at the time, and we went into a department store, and there were the two water fountains, white and colored. Well, the white one was this big, fancy one that was cooled, and the colored one was a small one that was down low. And that's the only one I could reach, so I went over and drank out of it. And one of the ladies in the department store just came unglued, came over, you cannot drink from that water fountain. And I said, why not? He said, well, that's for the colored people. And I said, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I said, it's the only one I can reach. And she just told my mother that she better give me some lessons if we were going to be there in the South. <laughs> it's, it's funny how kids are so quick to pick up on how how dumb those ideas are. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And we were saying, it makes no sense to me. <laughs> yeah. It didn't make any sense to me. <laughs> and the water tastes the same. <laughs> As it turns out. <laughs> well, it's a lot of people, uh, elected officials that I knew, they was one of their sayings was, our ice water is just as cold as the other ice water. Now, black ice is cold well you know our time is and what we will be doing on the 11th and the 18th we will re-broadcast those shows and they will own catch up so you will be able or to tell your friends how to go on and if you would our tell the people so Linda and Mike can tell the people how they can listen to those shows. How do they get them on their internet? Oh, well, simply, uh, the next Saturday and on the 11th and on the 18th, you tune in like you did today to Prisons in USC, HotTalkRadio.com, and you know, the prompt comes up, you know, um, you also come to Kansas City, and we can be, as Scott said we can be heard uh, on, our, on, our, on our stream, live stream, on Facebook, YouTube, and now with uh, our podcast, I'm sure we have our podcast, that's the proper language, now our podcast now can be heard uh, around the world on, on Spotify, on uh, uh, Apple, and most of most my time, anywhere you got a podcast being, being delivered now, uh, you can find this program also. 
Also, Mike, what has happened to you since you started on this project? You've been approached to write a book, and I think, Linda, I don't know what happened to our people in Fort Smith, but they'll come around. So what has happened to you, and what ideas do you have for getting this out to the people, Linda? First, Mike, we'll let men be first this time. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was approached by University of Arkansas Press to write a book on the 100th anniversary of Catcher about the incident, and they want me to link it to the Elaine race riot in 1919 as well as the Tulsa race riot in 1921. So I'm going to try and tell a whole story that links all three and explains how these are not incidents that were anomalous. These, these are almost front of the note. These happened all over the South. These are just the ones we have most documented. And that's kind of the argument of the book. Michael, they also happened in, in, in we had the race riots here in East St. Louis also, and that was in 1917. Yeah, I mean, it's just all through that time period. There's so many cases. But I just picked three of the biggest ones. And that's kind of the point, is I want to show that, you know, these are not exceptional things. These happen all the time. Yes. Okay, now, Linda, women need to talk now. Speak up, Miss Griffin. You can talk, it's okay. Are you still with us, Linda? I think we just lost that yesterday. Uh, uh, I hogged the time too much, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> oh, when we mentioned we wanted her to say something? Uh -huh. I, know, I know she's writing a book, if you want me to talk about her book. Yes, go ahead. She is writing a book on her great-grand aunt, who's completely tied up into all this, who is Effie Latimer, who was the woman who was killed in Catcher. And uh, Linda is her great-grandniece, and she's writing a book that will talk about her life and explain how she's seeing this from the perspective of a white person and how she's kind of outraged for her ancestors, and she's trying to help get those three black men exonerated because she knows that they had nothing to do with it. And she, as you know, and she's in a position of power here because her uh, great grand aunt was the one who was killed. So I think her her voice holds a lot more credence than other people talking about it. And what's she going to do with a great aunt, Effie Latimer? What is she trying to do in order to bring that reality and the DNA? So, like I told you, she really wants to exonerate those three black men. And the best way to do that is to get modern forensic science on our side. And so what she's trying to do is get the body exhumed because she knows we know where the gravesite is. And if we can get her body exhumed and we can test, uh, there's a couple different things we can test. We can test her skull to see if she died on impact of the, the, the gun shooting her and her getting hit the back of the head. And if we can prove that, we can prove that her confession, which we, we believe to be false, because she came to and it uh, allegedly stated the three men as her killers. So if we can prove that she never regained consciousness, we can throw that evidence out, which was the main evidence against the men. But more importantly, we'd really like to check her uh, DNA under her fingernails and see if we can prove that the killer was in fact... Uh, we have a couple suspects we think it might have been, and we, we hope we can find out. So that's a bit of a, a long shot. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's our show for today. Before we close, would each and every one of you give how you can be reached? And Michael, we I did. Did you talk to that attorney? Michael's trying to get attorneys to work with him on this project. Yeah, I've got two different attorneys, and then, like I said, the Peace and Justice Memorial has a lot of connections, and they're trying to work out ways to maybe get either a scholarship started for this, or what they really want is to try and find some of these ancestors, the Richardsons, the Cogs, the Fergusons, 
and try and you know find if they can get some kind of something back for these people who lost so much during this period. Well, I'll put Janice. I'll give Janice their number if if she can reach them. We we failed to talk to them today, but I do have their address. They live in North Little Rock. But yep. ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening and. Um, Producer, how can they reach you? You can go to FergusonUSAHotTalkRadio.com. You can email me at voiceovers, V-O-I-C-E-O-V-E-R-S, number four, letter U, at gmail.com. Or you can call me at 314-277-0621. Okay, thank all of you. And, uh, Howard, did you want uh, Scott to... uh speak for you, or did you want to say something? Well, uh, you can get a hold of me through Scott or Thank you very much. I heard that Arkansas won the day, and Missouri won the day. No, 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 no. They're leading uh, 24 Not yet. Wait a minute. What's the deal now? They're leading 24 to 21 with nine minutes left in the game, and they have the ball. Is that Arkansas or is that Missouri? Oh, that's Missouri. Missouri. We haven't, we haven't won yet. I hope they don't blow it. Well, thank you. Be sure to stay tuned. Like I said, we're going to rebroadcast those shows uh, April the 3rd and April the 24th. They will be broadcast on the 11th and the 18th of September. Be sure to turn on and tune in each and every day, Saturday or none, and you'll get no-nonsense type information. Thank all of you and have a good Labor Day and uh, Mike.